2: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? I'm David and I'm joined here by Matt. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. It's um, good to have the full rest of you back, which is,
0: Alan, how was your time in Thailand, mate? Uh, yeah, actually, to be honest, I didn't even go to New Zealand at all. <laughs> Spent the whole time in, in Bangkok and then just photoshopped my face onto pictures with um, professional rugby players. So yeah, really great.
2: And all of those professional rugby players looked absolutely thrilled to be standing next to the Thistle's most
0: negative man. I mean, all that Peter Romani wants to post losing a Lions test match is have a fall with this guy. But no, great. Damien McKenzie was actually quite a nice guy. Oh, I told him he was my favourite rugby player. <laughs>
2: he will be nice if you say that to him uh well thanks again for joining us there's obviously been huge amounts of rugby since we were last there both with scotland and of course the british and irish lines um but thanks again for joining us on uh, the itunes store and um the acast podcast app we've had another great week of reviews thanks a lot guys get yourself on there and leave us a review it is all we really ask and how about this one from johnny gray is Bay? um saying enjoying the scottish rugby crack from these boys they know their stuff and seem to have some fairly reliable contacts on the inside for a scoop every now and then keep it up lads that is pretty good yeah happy again and i, I agree that johnny gray is definitely Bay. He, he is definitely Bay. um so as we say we've got loads to get through today um and we will get into some news and then we've got three thistly issues as always how about number one what did we make of the Fiji match number two who were the winners and losers from uh, the Scotland tour um, and the third one we're going to have a look at how the Scots are getting on on the Lions tour with a little quiz from Alan on return in between uh, two and three there
0: yeah I mean I've been at work for two days and I've spent the majority of my time writing this quiz so that's great <laughs> And I, for one, am delighted for the
2: chance to to remind everyone how poor my Scottish rugby knowledge is on a weekly basis. So we will get into that. But before all of that, why don't we start with some news? And how about this one floating around on Twitter? All Black legend Liam Massam rumoured to be coming to Glasgow. Anyone got anything to say on that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call him an All Black legend, but you know, he's, he is an All Black, and he's he's
3: a good player. I think that. This is one tweet that we've seen, I've been doing a little bit of digging around and haven't managed to find anything else. So I wonder if it's just the the fact that um, Dave Rennie is the Chiefs coach and anyone who plays the Chiefs is being linked with Glasgow. But he'd, he'd be bloody
0: good. I'd be happy to see him, more than happy. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be absolute class. <laughs> I mean, in comparison to some of the fucking Edinburgh signings. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, it'd be unbelievable. And I think... In comparison to, I've forgotten who the Chiefs winger was that we signed, Masanga, who I think really has got to sort of the real sort of twilight of his yeah. career. Liam Messon, whilst not being at sort of the peaks of maybe 2014, 2015, is still playing really, really well for the Chiefs and we do an absolute job for um, the Warriors in the back row, exactly the sort of impactful, ball carrying player that we need. Well, we will keep an eye on that and we will see if
2: we can speak to some of our allegedly reliable contacts as that Jay Gray is Bay has um, raised and see if we can get some more information for you. But you already mentioned them, Alan. Edinburgh have sort of announced their final squad for the upcoming season. Um, what did you make of it? I, for one, am pretty underwhelmed.
3: Yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a funny one to say this is your finalised squad when they've only made a few signings. Um, and none of them, apart from maybe Bennett and Froon, if they work out, but Bennett's injured, Froon's, you know, there's questions about his fitness. It's just a bit disappointing. Um, and I, for one, thought there'd be a lot more signings to come um, and maybe sort of getting rid of a few players. Because you look at it and there's a, a lot of hangers on, the likes of Junior rasselea Rory Scholes. Um, I don't really see what the place is for them
0: in the team. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not that inspiring, really. Yeah, I think sort of especially at that nine ten area, I was hoping for sort of one big signing to come in. I think we really need someone who can really control the game for Edinburgh. And I don't. There's no one there that I see us. That see, I see taking Edinburgh into that top six, and obviously Robbie Fruin could be exciting, but that's a real. It could be a real hit or miss. And apart from that, in the back line, there's just not really anything that kind of gets the juices going.
2: Yeah, I think it's the recurring problem that we've talked about loads. The backline's pretty poor, but you can, if you look at the the confirmed forwards for next year, you can put together a pretty decent sort of Pro 12 competitive eight. Sort of looking at Alan Dell, Dicko, WP Nell. Um, I mean, the hookers you have got Ross Ford, 109 cap legend Ross Ford, um, probably going to be backed up by youngster George Turner. Uh, but then in the back in the se- second rows, you know, Grant Gilchrist, Callum Hunter Hill um anton bresler re-signed this week and big ben tulis obviously the renaissance man uh looking great for Scotland. and then in the back row as well that pack if you Cockrell can get them going could be doing something for them but i mean god when you read the standoffs that are available as jason tovey and duncan weir that is not sort of um putting fear into anybody
3: yeah and actually i I never thought of the back three as being a bit of a position of weakness, but you, you look across it, there's only sort of two recognized fullbacks. Um, I think Rory Scholes could probably play fullback and, and Tom Brown as well, but it just doesn't look that strong or that exciting. It's it's kind of solid at best, really. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, any, any other news you want to talk about?
2: Um it was, I think it was uh it was Mark Palmer. Oh no it wasn't, it was Gavin Mortimer, the um the French rugby uh journalist, or at least he reads the French uh newspapers and tweets them in English, saying that Rury Jackson has been linked to Agen in the top fourteen.
0: Yeah, I think there's been a lot of chat that Rui Jackson was gonna be moving on at the end of the season, and the chat is is he's got a one year contract with the option of them um, <laughs> moving on to the second division. I think that Ajon have been promoted this year to the top 14 because I thought they were in Pro D2, but I'm assuming that he's not moving to the second division of French rugby. Um, can anyone help with that information? I mean, we're doing some great research here. We are furiously.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we really should have done some preparation right, for this. So, so Ajon, I think, have been promoted to the
3: top 14 this year from Pro Division 2.
0: And they've made a decision that now they have got into the top 14. What they need is Rory Jackson. That was like the first name on the hit list was if we want to do something this season, we need Rory Jackson. So, look, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not sh- sure what his, <sighs> he, he's sort of been a bit of a lost man, I think it wasps in Harlequins. He's sort of struggled to nail himself down as sort of the number 110 and he's sort of Flirted a bit with playing at fifteen, and you know, possibly moving to a club like Aijon and getting to really own that ten shirt is maybe exactly what he needs. Yeah, I mean, if if I was him, this is I think the
3: perfect time to do it. Um, I think he's he's still sort of in the minds of of Gregor Townsend, but um, I think that he, he's not exactly sort of going to be a first choice standoff He's he's approaching, I suppose the. Th- the end stages of his career. I mean I've, I don't begrudge him at all going to, to Ajahn and trying to make a bit of bit of cash.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then um, from news to fake news, um, I think it's sort of it seems that Fraser Brown is not the man who turned down the uh the 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 call up from the Lions, Bob Robertson, of the, the mail being pretty certain about that. And as he's touring with Scotland, I'm going to take him at his word. But do you think that somebody did? And that it was just sort of Twitter, Twitter crap that was going around?
0: Yeah, I mean, friend of the pod, Stephen Jones, very much, he very much indicated in a tweet that someone had rejected the call up. And obviously, it's very clear now that it wasn't Fraser Brown. But I mean, obviously, if someone did, it would just be it'd be interesting to know who that who that person was. But I imagine there's sort of contractual um, arrangements in place that mean that that sort of information can't be leaked to the public. Um, but yes, very clear that we are the Donald Trump of Scottish Rugby News, and we feel that we need to clear. Unlike CNN, we're going to clear that up. So it's done. There you go. So we've we
2: have cleared that up. <laughs> um, okay. Shall we crack on then? Let's get into the meat the and drink. And shall we have a look at the Fiji match? Um, it was a early, early, early start for all of the hardcore fans out there watching the Fiji game on a really ropey scre- uh, stream on the Scottish rugby website. And to watch the lads get beat and miss a third of all their tackles, 32 tackles along the way, pretty poor performance. Alan, you managed to catch it in the fan zone at Eden Park, didn't
0: you? What did you make of it? Yeah, there was about 5,000 English, Welsh and Irish fans listening to Stephen Ferris, Martin Williams and Richard Hill doing sort of a Q&A and then there was about four Scottish fans looking out to the right-hand side at a screen watching the Fiji-Scotland game being bitterly disappointed <laughs> with what was going on. I think sort of the key takeaway for me was we just, we didn't play our own game. And we sort of played into fiji's hands it was it was really scrappy. We didn't get to pull sort of the phases together and actually, one of the things that really surprised me was I didn't feel like there was a real sort of clear leadership on that field someone sort of directing the team and sort of probably sort of calming the team down when things were going a little bit array. I've sort of said it before. I don't think Pete Horn is an international class. 10 I think he's I think he's a good tw- I think he's a really good 12 I think he's a good op- option to have at cover at 10 but I think unlike someone like Finn Russell he's, he really struggles to sort of really dominate a game and I think that was kind of quite evident to see and I thought Pergos had a really poor game as well at nine
3: yeah it's interesting considering um Pergos was captaining Scotland a season or two ago that he seems to have really sort of fallen from grace um from what I saw from it um, it, it seems if the defence was optional, I think they missed 32, 33 tackles in the match, 66% completion rate, um, and the likes of sort of Tui Sova and stuff were these big runners just running through, um, and I think you sort of, you look at that Scottish back line, it maybe was a bit lightweight, you know, Horn, Greg, um, Hoyland, you know, all very good players within their own right, but not the most physical, um, quite small guys, um, so that was disappointing, Um I wonder if there are a few sort of mitigating circumstances um the fact you've got missing players and it's you know there there has been a lot of travel involved I think it's it's still a crazy schedule that you've played in Singapore Sydney and Suva um but I still think it is disappointing um and if we want to carry on as a, a team that's sort of on the up, you need to be winning these kind of games.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it was a you know there was uh we thought we were fourth in the world for a wee bit and then if we'd beaten Fiji by a decent margin I think we could have actually got to it but because we lost we've actually dropped down to sixth. It's just a little bit of a disappointing uh finish to it. And a couple of bits and I'd like to get back to this on to where does Scotland go if Finn Russell gets injured and he's out for a season because I think this Fiji game shows exactly the issue we're facing there but on mitigating circumstances we did get some uh some word from within the scotland camp that um that a uh, half the team or a load of the squad were really down with like flu and diarrhea and stuff like that pretty much for the second half of the week that they were in uh in fiji so they weren't in the best shape when they were going out there so maybe that is something but you know, we should have been beating Fiji, shitting all over the place or not. We really should have been <laughs> beating Fiji if that is the team we're supposed to be. So, uh, so yeah.
3: It's it's very Scottish fact, I think, that that's the first time in 10 years that Fiji have beaten a Tier 1 nation. <laughs> we seem to always be at the end of these kind of, like, really unenviable records.
2: Um, but... <laughs> But just touching on it, I'm sure this will be one that will dominate sort of rugby chat as we get towards the um, the new season and the autumn internationals. But where do Scotland go if Finn Russell's not available?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I would be hopeful that um, Adam Hastings starts to come through, get a bit of game time, um, which once again is, is tough considering he is the backup uh, to to Russell at Glasgow. Um, I think we need to move away from Duncan Weir. Um Pete Horn, yeah, I agree with Alan. I don't think he's a long-term option. But beyond that, you're struggling, really. Um, I think that Jason Tovey is trying to become naturalized or whatever you call it. He could be an option. I think on form, he's actually an okay player. Um, but no, I, I think that the the depth isn't great, and you know, in
0: comparison to Russell, we we're really really struggling there. I guess um, outside of Adam Hastings, you're sort of hoping sort of Connery skate comes through obviously had a pretty pretty strong role with the under 20s he's had a few games for wasp this season appears to be sort of a relatively classy player although it does seem to have moments of complete madness on the pitch um but no you're completely right I think I think in the SOU that's got to be sort of the number one priority at the moment because you know we've we've seen that Finn Russell's had a history of you know pretty serious injuries and I think you're right. At the moment, that's the most important position on the pitch, and we're just we comp- we'd be absolutely screwed if that if you went missing. Um, just going back, to, just going back to the game. There's a few, there's a few players that I was kind of hoping that um, would step up. That I didn't didn't think um, really took their chance. I know I've been sort of quite a big fan of Damian Hoyland on this um, on this pod, and I think. He didn't get that much of opportunity in attack. And I think sort of in defense, you know, Hanny sort of alluded to it. But he was struggling to make those first up tackles. And I know some of those big Fijian strike runners are pretty horrible to take down. But I felt like he could have done more to um, sort of stem that flow. And just one thing that was nice to see, Nakawara, by God, he uh, so wish... We could have got him for Scotland. <laughs> Would it be so good? He's just in in any shirt. He's just an absolute pleasure to watch. Yeah. Just the the way he can sort of hold the ball and the skills he has is just. I don't think there's actually another player in the world that has has that sort of um, ability. No, you're you're quite right. He's un- unbelievable. I mean, the Fijians are just like if you if you do try and take
2: them on at their own game, and you play fast and loose, and you let the big lads have a run and make their ridiculous offloads, they're gonna they're gonna cause so much trouble. And it's really telling that when we played proper northern hemisphere rugby i.e cat, we did catch and drives at lineouts. i mean it's not often that you see two hookers getting on uh, getting on the score sheet but rossford and fraser brown both crossed for us rui jackson's try was pretty scrappy it was uh, i think a sort of charge down or, or or a fumbled ball um so when we got them into those tight organized situations we were massively dominant but did you see the hit on damien uh damien hoyland he got caught sort of with one foot off the ground, and he got absolutely murdered. It was just felt really bad for the guy. It looked really bad because the scream was so bad. It just looked like one of those sort of like backyard, like sort of like like high school videos. And it's like, oh my god! It was uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. We'll put that up on our Twitter feed. Um, but my general feeling about it is just it's a little bit of a, a bad taste in the mouth. But I think the Scottish boys—they've been on the beach for a week. Maybe some of them were shitting through the eye of a needle and it just, you know, I can, after mission accomplished, going down there and beating Australia in style and then, you know, on your way home, I think.
0: Do you think that we over the Australia win? After, now obviously it was, it was a great win, it was a great game, I absolutely loved it, but Australia li- nearly were close to losing to Italy. And Italy are awful. I think we can all agree that that Italy team are terrible. And there was at one point in the second half where Australia were actually losing to Italy. And I'm I'm just playing playing devil's advocate. S- are Scotland just actually not as good <laughs> as we think they are? Is, or does that Australia win not mean as much as we think it does? I think you definitely have to take that into to account
3: um, into consideration. But at the same time, I think there's two things I'd say. Firstly, we, we have a mental block against Australia because we haven't beaten them in a long time. And I think that even though Australia probably don't have as good players as they have in the past, they're used to beating like pretty much all the Northern Hem- Hemisphere teams um, apart from maybe England. So I think getting over that hurdle is actually pretty massive. Um, and then secondly, I would still point to the fact that we were weakened. like We didn't have Hogg or Laidlaw or Seymour. Um, and a few injuries didn't have Richie Gray as well so actually I think from that perspective bringing them through like Tulis to and, and um, I think Tonks I suppose um, but Ali Price you know taking a game by the scruff of the neck is actually really really important but I do agree I think Australian rugby is in a complete mess at the moment
2: yeah, I, I I kind of always mark it against like summer tours. I never mark them in on the same sort of grade as results that you get in the autumn and results that you get in the Six Nations or like World Cups, you know, because like, they feel to me that like sort of proper fixtures. These always feel that, you know, it's either a summer end of season, sort of stroke pre season tour and nobody's heads are really in it in the same sort of way. I think it's different for Scotland because we have the new coach and it sort of feels like a sort of new a new dawn for them and there's a few young lads getting the chance because of the Lions. But I always mark it slightly differently when it's a win on a summer tour, but yeah, I, I I'm going to put it down as a successful tour. I think Gregor Townsend betting in, getting that win. I think Matt's point on the mental
0: block is pretty good as well. I agree. I think you've got. I think you've got to take it as a win, and I think actually this result against Fiji is more of a blip rather than any sort of indication of how good this squad is. Do you think that? I think we, we tweeted this. Do you think we would have lost that game if Vern Cotter had been playing? Because having play- <laughs> <Probably. laughs> just just needed that hard Kiwi at six. Um, no, I think, cause I guess, you know, Gregor Townsend's style is a lot more sort of loose and probably fluid than Vern Cotter. He, Vern Cotter probably did have a slightly more sort of structured game that when you come up against Fiji away from home, possibly that is what you need to kind of really just sort of domino, dominate those games?
3: Yeah, but I think if you played that game like a few more times then Scotland would win more than they, lo- than they lose, and I, I think actually the Gregor Townsend is a good tactician. I remember speaking to Adam Ash, he was actually saying the thing about Glasgow is it it looks free-flowing and everything, but it actually is pretty structured. Um, so I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. May, maybe a bit more solidity, but... I think they wanted to play that game plan. They just couldn't quite execute it and they
2: made quite a lot of poor decisions. Okay, so moving on from the Fiji game in in isolation, why don't we look at the tour on a whole? And Matt, I know you've been doing a little bit of homework while you've not been doing your job today. Um, Why don't you take us through Matt Haney's winners and losers from Scotland's summer tour? Now, this is a coveted prize if you're in the winner's side and... A real lifetime of shame for you and your family if you're in the losers. So uh, here you go, Matt. Winners and losers. Go ahead.
3: Didn't realize my words. had so much power. Um, so the winners I have, do you want to go through them one by one or just list them? Um, go for a list and then we'll um, tell you when you're wrong. Okay. So I've gone, my my number one winner um, would be Ali Price. Um, my number two would be Duncan Taylor. Um Three would be Barkley, and then four would be the man we all love, BBT, Big Ben
2: Tulis. Okay, then let's start with Ali Price. I'm a huge fan. I agree. I think we said when it was just you and I 10 days ago podding um, that we thought this might be, this might usher in the end of Laidlaw. I think Ali Price has done more than enough to show that he's, um should be Scotland's number one, and I think the fact he just fits. Better with what Gregor Townsend obviously wants to do with the uh, with the Scotland team. So I would agree with that. A big winner, Alan. You on board with that? You do hate Greg Laidlaw. I do hate
0: Greg Laidlaw. No, I don't. I don't. I love Greg Laidlaw. Um, if Finn Russell is playing, Ali Price has to start in the autumn internationals. If Finn Russell's injured, I think that does change the dynamic quite considerably. And then you, you there is an argument there to bring in Laidlaw.
2: I mean, if Finn's injured, we're we're fucked either way. So it
0: doesn't really matter who plays. Um, Duncan Taylor. I think everyone's getting a little bit over the top on Duncan. I just, I, I like Duncan Taylor. This is literally so you. This is the counterbalance
2: we've missed for the last two weeks. Just this real sort of vein of negativity on anything that's good
0: in Scottish rugby. This is such bullshit. Look. I like Duncan Taylor as much as the next man. His lid is exceptional. I want that lid. Yeah, it is slightly similar. To, but it is a lot better. I think that we've got... This, and Scottish Rupp in general have just got a thing where if Duncan Taylor does anything, everyone loses their minds. He had a good game against Australia. He didn't have a great game. Okay? I think he, did, he got his interception. He did one pass to Hamish Watson. But... Actually, apart from that, he didn't do that much stuff in attack, and I think him and Dunbar were relatively solid in defence.
2: Okay, so let's put it a different way. Do you think if he were to play twelve in the autumn internationals ahead of Dunbar with maybe um, with Jones outside him, do you think that is an upgrade as a centre partnership
0: for Scotland? Well, th- this goes to my point that I think Hugh Jones is
1: overblown. So. <laughs>
0: What is
2: wrong with you? Come on!
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: But I, I think that we have, a, we have an issue sometimes of having players that coming into Scotland squad, having a couple of good games, and we're suddenly thinking that they're going to completely revamp the Scotland team. I think Duncan Taylor is a good player. I think Duncan Taylor should start for Scotland. I would actually personally like to have him and Dunbar in the centre because I still think Dunbar has a lot to offer and offers a good, good strike runner. And at his peak is probably the best defensive back that Scotland hat. Uh,
3: yes, I agree. But I, I think we'll come on to this in the, the losers column. But I think that Dunbar does sort of stifle a lot of the attack that you get because I don't think that... He's an, he's an okay passer, but I don't think he's the best passer. I don't think he's that creative a player. I think he's very destructive, but I don't think he's going to put other people in space. I, I just think with Duncan Taylor that you can pretty much play him wherever you want on the pitch. He, can, he played fullback in the first game, um, did a good job. And I think there's something about him that I think he's actually a real leader in the team. and I think that comes from the fact that he's played at Saracens and he's so used to winning that I think actually a lot of people look up to him um, and sort of follow his lead. So I I think that he actually is a really, really important player. And in terms of his skill set, if he does play 12, he is creative. Um, He's sort of a good understanding of the game, um, solid defensively. He's kind of actually the the the, miss, the missing piece that we've been looking for in that back line in terms of
2: getting everyone firing. Okay, I'm happy to take that on. Who was your third one? John Barclay, yeah. skipper. I mean, he's already captain. What else can he win? Well, I think that he, he was only captain in the Six Nations
3: because Laidlaw um, got injured. Um, and I think that he's really kind of, with Ali Price maybe, you know, um, usurping Laidlaw, It the captaincy leadership issue isn't so much of an issue anymore Um, and I think that he I mean he played I think pretty much every minute of the tour I think he played the most minutes out of any player maybe blowing a bit at the end but did a really good job Um, his performances are great and I think that his sort of leadership in general is really good as well so I think we sort of have a new captain there that you'd be pretty happy to lead
0: Scotland for the next year or so Hail Sir Barkley I love him (laughs) He's he's a great guy. Um, ben Tulis, I think, was your last man. Yeah. Do you think Ben Tulis is ahead of Swinson now? Yeah, I think he is. Um, I think Swinson's still a good player, but
3: Tulis has had a really, really good season for Edinburgh, and I think the fact that Edinburgh have had, generally a pretty rubbish season makes that even a, a, a better accomplishment. Um, and I think the games that he has played um, in, in these matches, um, he's done really, really well in. So... I don't think he's going to push Johnny or Richie Gray, but it's it's good to have him coming off the bench. I think he's pretty physical and he's got
2: quite a good handling game as well. But does he doesn't? he he's probably not as quick as Tim Swinson. That's what Swinson, Swinson has offered for Scotland in the past is that little bit more dynamism around the park. Um, but no, I completely agree. Ben Tullis has completely changed in my eyes. He is a, a really decent, decent player. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he should push Johnny or Richie when they're both firing on on all cylinders but again you know it's a position that we're beginning to develop a little bit of a little bit of depth in there so they, uh, those are your winners I think we can all agree on those and I do agree with John Barkley taking us forward as the as the captain certainly for Autumn and the Six Nations because his partnership with Hamish Watson if we can get that going and nicely settled hopefully with Strauss coming onto his game and, and fitness at number 8 I think that's a really really solid back row for us but your losers here we go a 1,000 years of family shame. Who have you got for us?
3: Um, we're carrying on with Ali Price. I've, even though Greg Layla wasn't on this tour, Greg Layla wasn't on this tour, I've gone for him as one of my losers. I've gone for Horn, um, which is maybe a bit harsh, but I just think he's caught between a couple of different stools now. That We've got a lot of re- very good centres um, for the first time in a long time. And I don't know where, if he wants to become a 10, I'm not sure where he's going to get like game time. Um, and then carrying on with the centres as well, I've gone with, Dunbar because I think that Duncan Taylor and Hugh Jones is your best bet going forward as a centre partnership what do you guys think
0: I think the Dunbar one is interesting because after the Scotland Ireland game in the six nations we I think we basically all said on the podcast that he should go on the Lions tour and I think we were all saying I think we did a combined Scotland England 15 and we put him in it no, we didn't. I'm pretty sure we did Um we were all absolutely hailing him. They were like, we're all saying that he is great in defence, gets a lot of turnovers. The back line was actually running pretty well at that point. And since that England game, and it's not just been the England game because it's been for Glasgow as well, and it has been a bit on this tour, Dunbar's form has just sort of fallen, not off a cliff, but it's just been consistently poor to the standards that he's, he's had for the last two or three years. And I don't know if that's one of the reasons that they've sent him home they sent him. They sent him home a week early with Magnus Bradbury, um, and I feel like he's just someone who needs to take just like six weeks off, get the energy back, and just get back to that form that he, he he's had over the last sort of two or three years. Well, it's going to be interesting when he gets back to Glasgow. I think
2: that he will get that. Is it compulsory five week break they have to they have to have in the summer now? So maybe that extra week so he can get back in the Glasgow shirt earlier, but. Hugh Jones is on his. I've uh, been seeing him on Instagram. He's doing his recovery. He's out with. Um, he's out with Kebble all the time, doing some. Uh, doing some training, uh, down in Cape Town. Seriously, he doesn't. I don't think he wants to
0: move to Glasgow. Cape Town
2: looks too nice.
0: Him and Oli Kebble have like the best light. They're always out for great lunches in the sun. I'm so jealous. I think
2: playing for the Stormers would generally be one of the best things ever. <laughs> like, living in Cape Town would be so good. But where was I going with that? I can't quite remember. But when Dun- if maybe Dunbar a bit of a break gets into Glasgow under Dave Rennie, bit of a uh, sort of fresh thinking, fresh look at it. He's got Hugh Jones sitting on his outside at Glasgow. They've got a chance behind what is going to be a pretty decent, Gla- unchanged and decent Glasgow pack with that new lad, um, that the Hurricanes lad coming in who looks really good. Gibbons looks really class. Um, I, think, I think Dunbar can certainly come back because I was his biggest fan after that Ireland game. I thought he was absolutely awesome, but... He's just come off a bit of a cliff. So I think he has been a loser on this tour, though. I think it's just been, you know, the full stop at the end of a sort of like two-month decline in his form. But I think he is the sort of player that can really come back from it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I have no doubts about that. And I, I still think that he's a very good player. I think that he, in terms of his actual position, once again, he's sort of like a 12 slash 13. And he's, he moves around quite a lot. Um Whereas you think of Hugh Jones as like an out and out thirteen, um, you know he can he has an outside break, and he can distribute. Whereas I think like kind of Dunbar could maybe play thirteen defensively, but then does he have those other attributes um, as a twelve? Is he much of a sort of he's not much of a second playmaker. He's more sort of destructive, a bit of a like a more of a kind of ball carrying player. Um, and I just don't quite see how he fits in with the rest of the backline at the moment, which. Doesn't take away how good a player he can be, and you know his his turnovers. I would agree with, and defensively, normally he is very good. Apart from that that England match, um, so yeah, I, th- I just think that he's sort of the Scotland team might struggle to find the right place in the squad for him.
0: Look, eight years ago we had Graham Morrison and Andy Henderson in the centres. <laughs> the fact that we're arguing about this, and we've still got Matt Scott and Mark Bennett and Pete Horn um, fighting for that centre pairing is pretty. Pretty unbelievable. Um, one other po- positive I'm going to put in, winner, I think, and he only started one game, but Xander Ferguson against Australia, I thought was absolute class. And if he continues to improve in the scrum, I think his play in the loose is generally yeah. exceptional. Um, and I think, I mean, he's he's got 100 caps easily in him, and he, he could be a real stalwart of that, um, of that Scotland pack. And I'm going to throw something out there that I was chucking about in the, when I was out in New Zealand. Uh, I think in four years' time, Matt Ferguson will go in the Lions tour. That is that is my shout. If we're doing this podcast in four years and Matt Ferguson does get picked for the Lions tour, and I've called it, that would be <laughs> huge. That
2: will be huge. I mean, he is absolutely awesome. He's like 18 years old. He's bigger than anyone I've ever seen. Such. Like He is so good. Mate, I'm calling it. He lines Lions bolter. Surely. <laughs> surely. <laughs>
0: We've got no one in the Scotland squad now, we might as well get excited about the next two. <laughs> That's just the
2: most ridiculous call ever. There's another Ferguson, though, isn't there? There's uh there's one in the Scotland under eighteens at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, he's
3: like sixteen and he's he's got some scholarship down south and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like they're all uber talented as well. They're all like I was watching an interview with Xander Ferguson this week and he was talking about them all. They're all like played loads of different sports, they're already musical and stuff. It's just not fair, is
0: it? Great, it's like our version of the Barretts, <laughs> going to be the Ferg- Ferguson's. Um, but no, you heard it here first. This is like when I thought Nick Deluca was going to get onto the lines, though. So
2: <laughs> one try, Scotland legend Nick Deluca. Um, the one person you did mention there as another loser it was Horn. We didn't really touch on it apart from when we were talking about the game. We just we think he's just not going to. Um, I actually kind of agree. He's not good enough to play ten. He's never really going to be a Scotland starting centre, is he? He is kind of just in that sort of, uh, you know, he's everlasting replacement role, isn't he? Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, I think so. I, he'll continue to be a really, really good player for Glasgow. Um, he, he probably needs to play one position if he wants to become a Scotland starter. Um, but I just can't really see him breaking in. Still a good player, but he just maybe lacks that physicality.
2: I'm gonna chuck in a winner because I think he wasn't nearly as bad as I thought he was gonna be, and that is Greek Tonks. I think we gave him a really gave him a really, really hard time, but I don't think he's he was as bad as I thought he was. So I'm giving him that expectation victory. I mean, coming
3: from where he was, playing championship rugby, and he's just gone on the really successful tour of Australia and Fiji
2: and Singapore. He is bloody winning. <laughs> it is like rags to riches. He was on the bench in the championship for most of the year. I mean, when his phone rang and he saw Gregor Townsend, he was like, fucking hell, what is, go- what is going on here? You yes. must be really struggling.
0: That image of Folau jumping above him is one of the best things I've ever seen, though. But to be fair, Folau is ridiculous. <laughs> That's fine. We're going to do quiz? Yep. Got a little quiz, right. So we're going to play a bit of Who Am I? So I'm going to say facts about a player, and in for each round, you've both got two guesses. Okay. Once you've had your second guess, you're out, mm-hmm. okay? And you get one guess per clue. Yeah. You get that? We're all good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm going to kick off with a real easy one, <laughs> just to ease us in. Who am I? <laughs> I had 82 caps for Scotland. I've played club rugby for cast. Anyone want to jump in with their first guess?
2: Oh no, it's not. It's not, it's not. Um, I've gone so wrong here. Jim Hamilton. That's your one
0: guess. One of your guests is gone. I've had two lines caps. Uh,
2: no, I got, it, I got it. I got it.
3: Scott
0: Murray. That's one guess gone. I was wrong? Yeah, wrong. Dave, do you want to go for it? Yeah, <laughs> you gonna? Do you want to wait to the next clue? I've also played rugby, club rugby in South Africa. Oh, um, oh, Gregor Townsend. Shirt. Yes, yeah. done. I was not thinking that. <laughs> not thinking era that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, 1-0 to yeah. Hanny. There you go. Right, second second player. I have 24 caps for Scotland between 2004 and 2011. So that, that is your era right there. I played club rugby for the Scarlets. Anyone want to chuck it in? Bruce Douglas. Uh-uh. One guess gone. I'm currently in a coaching role in the English Premiership. Not saying head coach, obviously. But he's in a coaching role at a Premiership side. Fourth clue. I played rugby in Japan for the Kobleco Steelers. Is it not Cobleco? Kobe. The steel Company. All right, Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> Have we got have we got anyone? Have you got more clues? Um, uh, n- not at the moment, but <laughs> I'm looking for them. I play in the row. Who's your guess? Scott McLeod. Boom! Oh! Son! <laughs> yes. Wait, wait. He is currently lineout coach at New- at Newcastle Falcons. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And played for the Scarlets, I think, before he moved to Edinburgh, and then he had a season with the Kobe Steelers. So there you go Right One all Good stuff Right I Had 59 caps for Scotland I'm also A very well-rounded sportsman And I've played cricket For Carlton During my club career I spent some time At Stade Francais uh, Simon Taylor uh, uh, One guess Down I spent time As club captain Of an English Premiership side start
3: plate. Oh, okay. Hugo Sartwell.
0: boom done club captain at wasps wow. and also a, a great cricketer at Carlton wow. so there you go 2-1 yeah he, he 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 got 59 caps my last my last one was I've got the most cultured left boot in the history of rugby so <laughs> which is true, Still true. Which is true.
2: Still
0: true today. right I have 35 caps for Scotland I spent some time on the McPhail scholarship down in New Zealand. But you want to chuck out one of your guesses? Johnny Gray. Done. Oh, gone. Boom. There we go. 3-1. Right, we've got one more, so we'll do that. I have 43 caps for Scotland. And I was born in Dumfries. Nick DeLuca. Done. This guy's on fire. (laughs) I also had that he's been signed by Wasps because obviously he was recently signed by Wasps. I thought I'd throw you, but um, yeah, four one done. There you go. Scott McLeod was a good one though.
2: Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad the quizzes are back. That was that was really difficult. That really didn't. That was really hard. I bloody love that. That is just right in my wheelhouse, my niche Scottish rugby knowledge. I could do that all day. Very good, very good Matt, well done Um, Shall we move on to our final issue then We are into the the week before the second Lions test and the midweek team had a game against the Hurricanes yesterday with a try made in Scotland Interception from Grieg with a wee tasty offload to Tommy Seymour who got himself two and is now the top try scorer on tour which is pretty good but um, how have the Scots been getting on down in New Zealand, Alan do you want to give us your perspective?
0: Uh, yeah, not particularly great, I'd say. I mean, uh, I thought Greg Laidlaw's been sort of not that great in any of the game. I think maybe sort of yesterday was probably his strongest game. Actually, for both players, yesterday was their strongest game. Um, I thought Tommy Seymour, and sort of the first game man against the Highlanders, apart from his try, looked sort of relatively sluggish. And we all know that he's sort of, a great finisher but he kind of I felt that he really needed to offer a bit more around the park especially because I think some of the England wingers England wingers sorry Lions wingers are generally really really class obviously Watson and Daly who um, do just offer a bit more around the park Um probably the most exciting player Callum Gibbons <laughs> He looks class. I mean, for sort of Glasgow next year, he's sort of on fire for the Hurricanes at the moment. His stats, I know sort of, um, I think Jamie Lyle put them up. And he was one of the outstanding players. Yeah, I just have one issue with the stats. So one of the stats was zero penalties
3: conceded. I mean, if that's what you're going by, I could go on to the pitch and not concede any penalties. Like, it's, it's not that great a stat.
0: A four flanker it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if 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 you're a flanker, you get through a whole game without giving away a penalty. Um, you're either doing something very right or very wrong. I think so. Um, no, I think that was uh, it was good to see. I I think we're going to go through another tour without a Scotland player. Actually, not not only not starting, but not only being in the squad. I think both players are. Well, actually, if there's a injury at nine, we'll probably almost have to be the next person in, but I don't think we'll see a test start, which, you know, is, is relatively is relatively sad. I know, speaking to a lot of them Scottish people, I think they've become a little bit disenfranchised with the, the tour this year. And I think not only with our players not doing particularly well or getting injured, but then also with Finn Russell and Allendale getting called up and only getting, what, cumulatively 16 minutes time between them.
2: Yeah, so what do you, what do you guys make of that? Obviously there's been huge amounts of like um of like anger and bile and hate, not least from our Twitter page directed towards um Warren Gatland about this decision. But it just seems completely like perverse that he's brought these guys out. He's made this big sort of like scandal of it all. And then just to keep them all on the bench which is just so like so stupid. And I I I really feel like I know Finn and Allendale have done a really sort of what seemed like a fourth sort of press release today that Sort of said, yeah, we're so glad we joined. You know, like you'd never not turn, never turn down the Lions, which I do get. But when they look back on this, they're going to think they're pretty, um, pretty disappointed. Do you not know, think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I wouldn't
3: expect for them. You know, when they get told you're coming out, I wonder if Gatlin ever said to them that there's a chance that you literally might not play a second. I just, I can't really see that happening. Um. So they've probably, you know, gone there with with false expectations of what's going to happen. And then Gatling coming out today in the press, or was it yesterday maybe, and saying, well, yeah, I didn't, you know, I actually believed what the press and what Twitter was saying, and I didn't want to devalue the jersey by bringing these players on, which, you know, at least stick to your convictions if you're going to make these sort of um, decisions, and that's one thing I thought he would have done. So that's really disappointing. And that just sends out such a bad message that he's basically saying that to Finn Russell and, and, and um, Alan Dell who came on because of injuries that you have effectively devalued the Lions jersey because I wouldn't have put you on otherwise um so yeah I think the whole th- that's very disappointing um I think at least with someone like Finn Russell he's got a few more tours in him and you'd expect that he will go another time and I think that's the attitude he's taking um Alan Dell I'm not sure that that Alan Dell sort of to me belonged in like the I mean, he's not quite the same as like Christian Dacey, who's never played a Six Nations game. Um, he's at least played one season of it, but he was
0: still a bit of an odd selection. Best scrum on two was when Alan Dell played. So, it was like, so, yeah, <laughs> it had uh, when Joe Marler went off, they absolutely crushed him in the scrum, and I stood up and I waved my Scotland flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's been relatively strange. I think. The, weird, the weirdest thing about it is the fact that Gatlin seems to have been swayed by public opinion. I think once he's made that decision, he's got to sort of carry it through. And I I was actually all for it when Dell and Russell got called up, actually, on reflection. kind of wish they both just stayed with the, the Scotland squad and played that Fiji game and continued sort of the continuity and... Um, form that they had from that win against Australia, it seems that I just think Russell's too good a player to be hanging around on a bench for two weeks, not getting any game time.
3: So I'm just trying to imagine what a day in the life of Finn Russell would look like on the tour. You go you go there with all the press. You, you're pretty nervous about what people think about you. I'm sure some people think, what the fuck are you doing here? Even though he is a good player. He runs around, he holds some bags for a bit, sits on the bench, gets two seconds or whatever it was, and then they say to him, he knocked it on. <laughs> and then they say to him, thanks very much, you have to go home now. So with your big bag of really like bizarre Lions kit.
2: Yeah, and a check
0: for 70 Gs in his back pocket. I reckon I'd go and hold a bag for two weeks. How much camo do you think Finn Russell's buying when he gets uh, back from uh, New Zealand?
2: I can't wait to see some of the gear he's wearing the next time he does like a Scotland promotional uh, uh, photo shoot. Uh, I don't know. I mean... 70 grand is an awful lot of money for two weeks work if they are getting the full the full pay full pay packet well exactly it's not work it is absolutely perfect but i mean i don't know i'm with you and i think it would have been nicer if they if they, they stayed uh stayed on kept that sort of scotland team together because i don't i just don't think i just don't think they gain anything i think all this idea of being in that environment but it doesn't sound like they've been in that environment, they they won't have been anywhere near
0: the test environment at least. They've been holding bags for the Wednesday team. The really annoying thing as well, and we've touched on it again, is they're going to be bonded in with that group of six yeah, exactly. for like the rest of their lives. That's always going to be like a side note on that lines too. Is the six players that were called up, and people say, "Oh yeah, remember when those players were called up and they didn't play?" And it's just very unfair, especially to Finn Russell who we've heard was very very close to getting on the tour and is generally a top quality player but for a lot of people outside of Scotland they will always fit him into that bracket and I just think in in general I just think it was a poorly thought through communicated and executed idea Um, but hey there you go, what's done is done shall we stop now? (laughs) Is Finn still there though? So what
2: happens if like, second test what happens if Farrell and Sexton get absolutely crocked. Literally, they get some
3: Welsh tourist who's <laughs> kicking around, who's played for Pontypridd or something to play. I don't know.
0: Gethin Jenkins is f- is currently fourth choice ten, so that's fine. Um, right, let's wrap up. I am going home to have some fajitas, so that'd be great. I thought you'd say something else there, <laughs> a lot more <laughs> private,
3: but that's good to hear. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This
0: is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.